Okay. So, you know, when when I read the New Testament, and I try to put myself in Jesus' shoes, I get anxious. Like, really, I get anxious. Because he, he dealt with so much. He dealt with crowds of people. He dealt with fanatics. He dealt with towns pushing him out. He dealt with those stupid Pharisees that just kept on trying to trip him up with their, you know, human logic. He dealt with envy. And ultimately, he dealt with death. And so, just just the, just the thought of being in that, and he was isolated, just the thought of walking in those shoes is terrifying but of course the lord said that if you are a follower of his you must bear your cross and a cross is carried by that one individual he said you must carry your cross not you all will carry your cross right it's an act that is solitary. It's a you against the world type of situation. Right? Because the Lord said that if they hated him, how much more would they hate the servant? For the teacher, the student is not higher than the teacher. So if the teacher goes through this, the student will go through it as well, right? So, so in 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 retrospect, I think about this church that I had just gone to. It was a Church of Christ church. It was a Pentecostal Church of God church, Pentecostal church, and. You know, when I first started going to that church, I was on the vibe because I had just, you know, in 2016, I found the Lord or rather the Lord found me. And something so horrifically beautiful happened to me that if I were to expound upon it, it would make me seem like this girl is. She's not walking reality at all, <laughs> right? But after this, this happened in 2016, and I never explained to anyone what happened. But I will say that that, that 2016 event proved to me that one, God existed, because I was battling that notion of whether God existed, right? I went to uh, Florida State, and you know there's a separation of church and state at, at least this is what they they this is the the idea that they want to push across but the first class one of the first classes you take is philosophy right the first question that they ask you is god real <laughs> right so we can talk about god in terms of how to make him unreal 
or how to make him the silent observer. But we can't talk about him in practical terms as a living, seeing, declaring entity. Right? But so much for that. So prior to 2016 and towards my latter years of college, I started to not believe that God existed. You know, And in 2016, the Lord saved my soul. He saved my life. Uh, I was broken, you know, without the Lord. And I I remember the day that I began to feel broken. Um, The day that I, I, it was, it was a night. I remember I had a roommate that was Muslim. And I was speaking about the Lord Jesus Christ. And she was like, huh, blasphemy. And I remember telling that story to a brother of mine and with him cooperating with that idea and I remember it sent me on you know because I had looked up to this brother so much and and so the fact that he didn't believe in God I was just like well maybe there's something more to this idea of there not being a living God and then with the educational system you know the more intellectual there you know these institutions make you feel the the more and more atheistic you become because there's this implicit idea that cognition and faith cannot interrelate with one another right so if you're intellectual, you can be a you can be a God fearing, God believing person. So with that being said, the more education I got and the more I sat at these round tables at these institutions and listened to people, you know, down God. And the more I began to feel smart, the more I walked away from the notion that God was real. Right, but in 2016, prior to 2016, I had become apathetic about everything, and I became depressed and hopeless. It was like I was in medical school, and it was just like, get up, go to school, eat, come home, sleep. There was no bigger purpose. In my life at that time. It wasn't about saving people. You know. I Although I had initially gone to medical school. Because I was afraid of losing my mom. And I thought that oh, a medical degree would help me save her. In case something happened. You know. But at the time I had no real. Real purpose. Right. And even if it was. Even if I did have a purpose. It was going to be. It was an earthly one. Because I had nothing, I had no connection. I felt like I had no connection to God at the time. So my life, my spiritual life was in shambles, although I looked really nice on a resume. That cardstock paper was, was it, it was beautiful with all those accolades and blah, 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 blah. But nonetheless, there was nothing that I had done 
that was sustaining and nourishing to the existential part of me. So, in 2016, this this horrifically beautiful event happened to me and proved to me that one, God was real. Two, God of the Bible is still God of the Bible. Meaning that he still uses people. He still has prophets. He still sits on the throne. He still loves us. He's the same God that loved us to death. And he is the same God that is righteous and holy and will allow only those with pure hearts and clean hands to see his face. Now, that happened in 2016. So once that happened, I was just so, so one, so happy to have God in my life again. It was just like, there were so many bad habits that I had grown to take part in. You know, I was fornicating. I was depressed. I was broken inside. I was a people pleaser. And then I was I was seeing this guy on and off for about 8 years. And I and I he treated me horribly and I just did not have the guts to walk away. I did not have the self-affirmation that would allow me to walk away from that situation. But the Lord, as terrifying as he is, broke many of those bad habits. What I could not do over the span of eight years was with this young man, I was able to do in one day. And I haven't looked back since. So at that point, from 2016 onward, I had promised the Lord to give him my life. And giving him my life meant that I would live for him. I would consecrate my body and my energy for him. So at that point, I stopped teaching science. I was a science teacher because I had gone back after um, graduate school in the creative writing department. I had gone back to, you know, do my post back for medicine. So, because I told the Lord I was going to give him my body, I, 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 got, I was like, well, what's the fast, what's the best way to, like, deter sexual temptation? And I thought to myself, well, make yourself unattractive. And what did unattractive mean to me? It meant, girl, just eat as much as you can, get obese, you know, and because I had a few years prior to that. I had engaged in an act that was really sinful. And at that time, there was a voice that I heard that said, if you don't want to fall into temptation, you know, you get a little bit bigger. And I read, since then, I, I read some articles that said that the smaller you are, the more prone to temptation you are. Um... 
you know, and you know, like, and I and I read articles that stated like people who are fully, who are of the upper BMIs are more satisfied and content with their lives, right? And I thought about it and I was like, well, you know, it may sound crazy to you, but think about it. If you look at popular TV, these models are super, super skinny. They're really pushing this on us. And, you know, society's really pushing this on us. And what, why, why that? You know, there are plenty of people who are big and shapely and beautiful. Why that skinny, you know, you know, just a lot of times non-curvaceous frame? Why has that been chosen as the, the, the mark of beauty in our society? Right? It doesn't show that they have the capacity for fertility, right? Those wide hips. None of that. But nonetheless, or the ability to nurse a baby, right? Because it's really skinny and, you know, blase, blase. And I have nothing against the skinny people. I was like skinny my most of, most of my life. But I was thinking to myself, why did society, why did these people in power choose to put these types of women as the mark of beauty? And maybe there's something to it. Something to that that skinny role. And, you know, I was listening to Dr. Miles Monroe. And Dr. Miles Monroe said, you have to be careful when you're fasting. Fasting from fruit. Because if you're not properly initiated in the life of prayer, then evil spirits or just you are more prone to temptation during that time. And you think about about the um the old testament. You think about the, the new the new testament. It was after the Lord Jesus Christ went through his 40 days of fasting that he was tempted, right? And of course, so when he went through fasting, that is when he was tempted. So there there may be something to it. But nonetheless, I said, you know what, I'm gonna gain all this weight, you know, and, and I did. And I was like, I'm gonna cover myself from head to toe so that nobody sees me or think I'm pretty, you know, so I, I would always wear my little um head head covering. And I would wear these dresses from covering my neck all the way down to my feet. And I remember going to this church that I just left in Miami. And asking to be part of the the praise team. And after a few months... Well, you know, I joined the praise team kind of like right away. You know, the pastor spoke to me. And the one thing, the only question he asked, he asked me, he asked me a few questions. He said, have you been baptized? And I was like, yes. He was like, what church are you coming from? And and it had been years since I had gone to church. But and I was just like, he was like, why did you not go to church? And I was explaining that, you know, I was in school and I came down. I just haven't found you know, I was in school for some time and blah, blah, blah. And then he asked the question, you don't have, well, it was more of a rhetorical question. He asked, you don't have a boyfriend, right? And I said, no, I don't have a boyfriend. That was it. Okay, so that was that question, right? 
And so after that, I was able to join the praise team. And at the time, I wasn't working because I had said, I am not going to perpetuate the the spiritual lies that are being propagated through these academic institutions. You know, with the, the whole evolutionary descendant, you know, like d- descending from monkeys and apes and all the other stuff and primates. I said I wasn't going to do that, right? And I also wasn't going to, you know, per, you know, perpetuate the 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 lies about the Earth being having solid iron in the middle and is just being completely dense and compact and there's no space. Because the thing is, is that as a Christian, if the Earth is really compact like that, then there's no room. We gotta have space for hell, right? And so it it reminded me when when I started doing some research, you know. People were finding in Canada, they were finding fish on top of the mountains. They were finding artifacts that proved that the events from the Bible were true, like the fishes on top of the mountains in Canada. How did the fish get that high? Right? Does does that go back does that go back to Noah? People were saying that they the the caves. There were caves that were found with the the water from when the earth had been inundated by the floods now so i said now i'm not going to perpetuate this whole evolutionary lie thing anymore right because the fact is is that darwin darwin died not as an atheist and furthermore darwin was not even a a successful student per se on this mission he was just the assistant to the researcher, the real researcher, right? And he only spent six weeks on the Galapagos Islands studying these finches. So I was like, you know, I'm not going to do this. I'm not doing this whole... I'm not going to perpetuate this. So I had stopped teaching for a while and I was in this choir. And I remember getting so much flack from the people at this church because I was covered up, you know, from head to toe and I was just like what does it what does it matter to you people were like oh you look old and this and that you're trying to be a Christian no 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 and so one night I was dancing and praising in front of the church and the assistant pastor comes up to me she says the, the bishop wants to speak to you in his office and I was like okay so I walk up to his office that night I come in it's him his assistant and this other lady whose role is really like i don't know she seems to take care of everything inside the church i they asked me to sit down and the bishop says you know and then prior to that the bishop had been calling me once a week to see if i was would enter church again because me being on the prayer line every day was somehow an egregious crime that a young lady in her prime should never commit so I go up to the office and I'm sitting at the chair and he's like, I have a, um, I have an assignment for you. And I'm like, what's that? He's like, well, I want you to start a college ministry on the church grounds. And I was like, you know, I'm very shy. I can't do that. You know? And he's like, no, you're not shy at all. Cause you always dancing in front of the church. And I was like, okay, fair enough. And then the lady that has this, this, this really, 
I don't know what type of I don't know what role she has. Is is it a concubine or what what have you? But she says, "Oh, I have a role for you too. I want you to be my right hand man." And mind you, I never really had a conversation with her. And then the pastor, the bishop says, "Oh, you do have a role for her." Oh wow! And he looks at me and he says, "You've been promoted twice tonight." And so it looked like as if this this whole conversation had already been written or scripted. Everything was scripted, like they they had something waiting inside the room. But but nonetheless. Let's get back to the idea of would Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, be happy with the things going on inside the church today? So, and I'm using this church of God as an example. And so during that meeting, just quickly going back to that meeting, the bishop asks me, he turns around and he says, why do you wear the mantilla on your head all the time? And I was like, well, because the Bible necessitates it when you are a woman and you are prophesying or praying because the watchers are around, right? I had learned that if you put them, when you must cover your head as a woman so that you don't tempt the angels that are around you at the time. But, I, and, but it, it was in Leviticus, it was clear. And then he looks at me and he says, no, you're wrong. Oftentimes people take, Bible verses out of con out of context, and I I said nothing more, and I left, and then I started to think. I was thinking like, damn, if the bishop of the church is telling me not to wear this mantilla, there must be something to it, and so I was like, who I I'm gonna go back to. You know, after all this pressure they had put on me about the way I was dressed, how I had this mantilla, you know, it even gotten all the way up to the bishop of the church. So I was like, okay, cool. Then I'm, I, I, I can be, I can be fly to inside the church. I was like, all right. So you know, I started wearing my my four inch heels, girl, child, people. <laughs> I can walk in high heels. I even remember I used to spend hours trying to be like Tyra Banks when I was younger with a book on my head just walking back and forth <laughs> so I was like okay cool so that's what I did and when I did that I got even more flack but I'm gonna pause right here and go back to the question of would the Lord Jesus Christ be happy with the things going on in church so I remember Father's Day passing at that church and that night, I wasn't working, as I told you guys. So I, used to, I was couponing like a mother sucker. I was, I was Miss Coupon Queen. I was learning. I was on YouTube. I was, I was, we were, I was connecting with other couponers. And so Dollar General, they have their yearly clearance sale for like, I guess like right before Christmas. And so I was like, they had these big thermoses, thermoses. And I was just like, whoa, this thing, and it looks expensive. They were like $13 usually. And so I was like, you know, let me get a, a, a one of these thermos for every paternal male inside the church, people with kids, right? And so one day I knock on the pastor, the bishop's door, and I'm, I, I walk upstairs, 
And I was like, you know, I gave one of the people up there a cup. And I was like, hey, happy Father's Day. And I was like, oh, can I talk to the bishop to give him his gift as well? And they're like, he's in a meeting with someone. And I was like, okay, cool. I, I just wanted to give him this cup. But it's cool. And so I started walking away. And then they're like, but you can knock on the door. And, you know, and I've always been that person. Like, I'm just going to go ahead and just, just get out of the way. And so I knock on the door. And then, you know, like two seconds later, he's at the door. But the weird thing was, was that he was at the door in a wife beater without shoes and some, you know, like baggy, baggy blue khakis. And it was pitch black inside of his office. And he just cracked. He just left a crack of the door open and stuck his head out and started talking to me. And I was like, here's a um a gift for father's day and then he pulled back and i was like no no it's for father's day and he's like, oh thank you and he was like, i gotta talk to you about something and i was like okay so we'll talk later and then a few minutes later about like a good 30 30 40 minutes later he comes down in his suit and everything And so in my mind, and so I pushed it aside. Like, I'm not, I, you know, I, I got to take time to marinate on things, you know, because I've, I've learned about just being really making rash decisions, even if it's just, you know, in my head. So I thought about it that night. I thought about that night. And it sure smelled like a duck. It quacked like a duck too. But I was reticent. And. I was apprehensive about making that judgment call. Of what I thought had gone on. Or what I thought I had seen or experienced. That night. And so from then on, I mean, you know, from then on, I, I, and, and now in retrospect, it's clear as day to me, you know, what I had seen and experienced that night. And I wasn't denying because I was just like, whoa, wait a second. First of all, these are Haitian people. And I was like, Haitian people don't get down like that. At least I thought. And the second thing I was thinking like, Damn. In order to fuck inside of the church as a bishop. While the other church members know about it. Right? Because those two that had told me to go to the door. They knew he was fucking somebody inside that office. But to go ahead and do that. For me or rather to me it seems as if this person couldn't have possibly during a church service at that there was service going on friday night service so to be fucking doing a church service in the office of the church i was just like this nigga doesn't know god at all and in retrospect in order to do something grave like that 
not only do you not know God, but you couldn't possibly be a true Christian. And in retrospect, when I think of the sermons, the sermons, there were people up there that would go up to the stage and they were like, oh, if you think that God is good all the time, then you're in for a rude awakening. It was really anti-God. You know? And I remember one time, the bishop asked, he went around the room and said, what do you got to do in order to be a good Christian? So you got to follow the, the, the words. And he was like, no, forget the words. <laughs> then what else do we have that's the only artifact that we have to understand or to base our expectations from the lord on if we don't have the word then you don't have a job right because as a bishop you're interpreting the 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 words but nonetheless (laughs) this church turned out to be a cult And so it leads me back to my question. If the Lord was here today, what would he do? What would Jesus do? How would he feel? How would he feel? That's all. 